0: this third week of advent we continue with our theme a season for joy advent walks us through hope peace joy and love our theme i said incorrectly a season for peace all advent long we are thinking of peace even as we walk through hope peace joy love a season for peace that we need so badly this year We continue our reading of the Psalms as our text for these Sundays this morning. As Dan has mentioned, the psalm is Psalm 126. The people have returned from their exile in Babylon, and the psalmist offers praise. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, when we came home from Babylon, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. You have heard the ancient story. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. Sermon is entitled today, Celebrate the Peace, Small Things, Big Difference. I was not alive When the Vietnam War began in November of 1955, but the sounds of that war are kind of like a soundtrack to my childhood, born in 1964. The sounds of the 60s and the 70s are strongly vague and strangely vivid in my mind. That paradoxical record is always spinning, playing in the background, in quiet moments, In scenes from certain movies, in old news clips, in the rock and roll of that day that still gets airplay, I hear Vietnam. It was a difficult time for the nation, with 1968 being a high-water mark for tensions. Troop commitments in Southeast Asia were in their highest for that 20-year war. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis in April, and Bobby Kennedy was killed in Los Angeles two months later. The name Joseph McCarthy was being mentioned on the nightly news, and protests were erupting around the country. The sights and sounds of hippies and hash and free love, Jimi Hendrix and Santana and Credence Clearwater Revival, Walter Cronkite and Morley Safer and Roger Mudd, these are the sounds of my childhood. The scenes are all in black and white. The kids today don't even know what black and white means, but the scenes are all in black and white, and the sound of helicopters, blades chopping through every silence, is like a heartbeat there in the background. Now, I was too young to be aware of the cultural impacts and implications of the racism and the feminism and the anti-authoritarianism that were in the air, and the political tensions that poured salt into the wounds of 58,220 American troop casualties. Those political tensions were above my age and my innocence, but I felt the tension. It was there all the time. It's still there. Like background radiation, the rumblings, the residual, the tension of that war permeated the quiet of my childhood So I was glad to celebrate the peace, even though I hardly knew the true depth of the many casualties of the conflict. Like all war, the destruction runs deep, and the ripples of consequence extend in waves that vibrate through the culture and across the generations. As is true of all death, you never get over it, but you can learn to get through it. Amy loves to say at most of our funerals that one way we get through grief and loss is by laughing and crying, laughing and crying, laughing and crying together. Lamentation and celebration are two opposed but essential aspects of peace. So even as a fifth grader, immersed in a southern childhood, Spending my weekdays at Clinton Elementary School and my weekends at First Baptist Church, I knew we needed to celebrate when in 1975 they announced that that war, a world away but always present, was coming to an end. The call for celebration went out across the nation. At noon on a particular day, churches were to ring chimes, toll the bells in their steeples, On the back patio of the home in which I was raised, the parsonage belonging to First Baptist Church, there was an old school bell that my father had picked up in one of his many antiquing forays. It was thick metal, painted black. It was about a foot in diameter. It was mounted on the top of a four-by-four post in a landscaped bed of shrubs and flowers there at the back door. A long chain hung from the bell's arm And at noon on that day of celebration, as the bells rang out from my church next door, and as they wafted in on the airwaves from First Presbyterian not too far away, I pulled on that chain, down and up, down and up, and down and up. I pulled the chain and let it return. And as the heavy clapper struck the inside of that bell, the airwaves pierced, The airwaves were pierced with the sound of celebration. Joining the music of bells across the nation, the sound of that bell pealed peace in concentric circles above my head. It was the sound of a nation grateful to finally celebrate the peace. I will never forget that beautiful sound. After 20 years of the noise of war, a kid from a small South Carolina town helped to celebrate the peace. It was beautiful. Listen. In this difficult year, as we walk through Advent, tuning our hearts to a season for peace, let me challenge you to join the excited fifth grader I was and celebrate the peace today. You can celebrate the peace that finds you right where you are right now. Celebrate the peace, however small, however fleeting. Celebrate. peace. Peace in the grand scheme is not easy to achieve. It often eludes us. We often mistake our own comfort for true peace. There's an unmistakably political character to true biblical shalom. If we want to be true to the gospel, we can't just be satisfied with some kind of sweet Jesus sermons and turn a blind eye to racism and wealth inequality and environmental justice, the corruption threatening all of the systems that govern our collective life, to poverty and the continuing growth of what President Dwight Eisenhower first identified as the military-industrial complex, mass incarceration, do I need to continue? People of faith will have to put on our work gloves, steal our spirits for the long, hard work of bending the moral arc of the universe. We will have to work for justice if we want peace. Peace doesn't just happen, but there are moments, glimpses, hints of it. When it comes, the peace of any small moment We can and should and need to celebrate the peace. Today's psalm is set against the backdrop of the people's return from exile. The writer offers a few hints at how we might celebrate the peace as we experience it. He says when they returned from Babylon, when they finally saw Jerusalem out on the hill, their beloved city of Zion, there was great joy. He says, we were like those who dream. Returning to their home was a dream come true. But for a dream to come true, we have to have a dream to begin with. It's the beginning of any celebration of peace. Do you dream? Do you dream big? Do you dream of peace for our world? Do you dream of an end to homelessness, the end of hunger, a cure for cancer, diabetes, I'm sorry. (laughs) That word just has a different ring these days. Do you dream of a cure for cancer? Diabetes? Lou Gehrig's disease? Do you dream of peace within our country? Do you dream big enough? And do you dream small enough? Do you dream of peace within your own home? With your own extended family? In your office? with your neighbor? Do you dream of peace inside your own heart? To celebrate peace, big or small, we first have to dream of it, dream of it, and celebrate the peace whenever, however it comes. Then the psalmist says they laughed. Is there anything better Laughter is great medicine. Someone said laughter is sunshine in the house. Laughter is powerful good. Though it's not always frivolity, laughter can be subversive. The whistle blew and the referee pointed out one basketball player on the court indicating the player was being called for a foul. Now some players curse or scream or stamp their foot or yell at the referee. This player just looked the ref in the eye and laughed. The ref got the message. That simple laugh was more powerful than any temper tantrum. Laughter can be subversive, and laughter can indicate a steady resolve. In the praise of the good woman found at the end end of the book of Proverbs, the text sings the praise of this woman and says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. It's like looking at the toughest challenges life can dish out, knowing a rough patch is coming your way and saying, oh yeah, bring it on. She laughs at the time to come. Laughter is the best medicine and powerful action. If you've not seen the old movie, The Name of the Rose, let me recommend it to you. The story is set in the Middle Ages in a monastery in northern Italy. There is a dangerous evil lurking, and I'm going to give you the end here, a spoiler alert, but it's still worth watching the film. The dangerous evil threatening the monastery is laughter. The oldest resident of the abbey believes enjoyment, laughter, is the enemy of true piety. He is determined that the mona- their monastic life will remain somber, serene, holy. The movie is dark, at times graphic. The murder of several monks is involved, but it is a cinematic testimony to the dangerous power of laughter And then after you've grimaced your way through the murderous medieval monasticism, check out the not-at-all-serious comedy with Chevy Chase. Christmas Vacation is a holiday classic. We try to watch it every year. Cousin Eddie shows up in his rundown RV to spend the entire holiday with Clark, his cousin, Chevy Chase. And he says to Clark when he drives up, I bet you're surprised to see me. And Clark responds, I couldn't have been more surprised if I'd have waked up with my head sewn to the carpet. It's a guaranteed laugh every time. Laugh. Celebrate the peace. And then the psalmist says, shout for joy. Have you had those moments when words would not suffice? When just a yee or a woo-hoo was all that you could muster? You couldn't find the right word. It happens in sporting events all the time. Now, I don't want to be a shouting church, one of those a lot, where there's a lot of hooping and hollering going on when I'm trying to preach. But there is something honest happening in those kinds of charismatic experiences I don't know if we are too reserved or too sophisticated or what, but there is some lesson we might learn from those who are less inhibited than we. Sometimes the honest reflex of the human body is just a shout of joy. I've been writing all the music for our children's camp for 15 years or so, and one of my favorite songs and the one probably that the kids do the best is called Shout It Out. I sing and they just shout an echo. I've got to shout it out. Shout it out from the rooftop. From the rooftop. Shout it out. Shout it out. I just can't stop. i got to work it out. Play it out. Love it out. Pray it out. God is so good. i got to shout it out. Shout it out. I wish the kids were here this morning. They could sing it for you. They could shout it for you. Shout for joy. Celebrate the peace. And then the final aspect of celebration is one that is implied by the psalmist's words. He says, the Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. There's hardly a more important discipline of faith than gratitude. Anne Lamott says, it is one of the three essential prayers, thanks, thanks. Meister Eckhart says, if that's the only prayer you ever utter in your entire life, it will be enough. Thank you, God. Gratitude is a wonderful discipline, and gratitude is fruit born of remembrance. The Lord has done great things for us. They remembered so they could rejoice. They say hindsight is 2020." and they is always right about that. Sometimes it's only in looking back that we can truly recognize all we have to appreciate. This long exile we are continuing to endure is giving us the opportunity to look back and to remember in gratitude. Worship together. Can you even remember what this room looks like when it's full? Looking back, can you remember how important your connection group is to you when you gather together in person to share your lives? We gather around the Wednesday night tables for fellowship and a meal together. Looking back, I didn't know how much I would miss all that stuff until now. Thanks be to God for all of it. And what about your Thanksgiving holiday, even with disagreements across the table of religion and politics, Thanksgiving with the family, in looking back we can see years of good health, years of prosperity, a history of democracy and generosity, cooperation and progress. We can see it now anew looking back. Someone said, tell me what you remember, and I will tell you who you are. I say, tell me what you remember, and you will know how to give thanks. Remembrance and gratitude. Celebrate the peace. Celebrate the peace. The peace. Whenever it comes, the glimpses the hints, the momentary experiences, the fleeting calm amidst the storm. Even as we work for peace, true shalom, God's kingdom come on earth, grand peace. Let's learn to celebrate the little victories. It happens most of the time when Amy and I plan a funeral with a family. The room is usually quiet. The subtle tension of grief is in the air. Sometimes debilitating loss weighs down like a heavy blanket. But as we talk and reflect together, inevitably someone shares a memory and laughter comes to the room. Sometimes it's subtle, just a chuckle. And sometimes the room erupts with belly laughter and tears of joy. A moment of peace amidst the pain. Small things, big difference. We've got some big problems, folks. But the world has always had big problems. And it is the testimony of the people of faith from time immemorial that God is with us. And Christians say Jesus has shown us the way. So let us fight the good fight of faith. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right, but let us experience the peace that comes. And when it does, however small, let's celebrate the peace. Listen. dream, laugh, shout, remember, and give thanks. Celebrate the peace. May it be so.